Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. We are recording on the Wednesday afternoon after Tuesday night's defeat at Anfield 4-0 against Liverpool. It was another unforgivable performance from United, unfortunately. Really disappointing again, but it's perhaps not surprising. It's probably what everyone expected going into the game. I'm joined today by Samuel Luckhurst and Rich Fay. Samuel, how are you? Well, bad, thank you, Stephen. Not not had enough enough sleep, but uh, there's there's plenty to go at today. Unsurprisingly, after after last night's horror show, yeah, that's definitely the case. And Rich, how are you? Yeah, like Stephen said, there, I guess as as good as you can be, but probably not going to be an upbeat podcast, is it? It hasn't been for the last few months or for the season, for that matter. There's not been much to cheer about, unfortunately, for United fans. And that was the case again at Anfield. Samuel, you were obviously there um, with Tyrone in the press box. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts immediately after the whistle. And if you could, if you want to take a moment, how would you describe that performance in three words? Spiritless, spineless, hopeless, That's a good I suppose. Uh, it would be those three. It, it was just, it, it confirmed everything that everybody already knew about this Manchester United squad. It doesn't matter how old you are, how, how long you've been following Manchester United. This is the, this is as bad as it gets. And even though they got relegated in 1974, that, that team had, had a bit of pride about it. Well, a lot of pride about it. I think the the team that was, that went down on the day that Dennis Law back into the net at Old Trafford, um, there was only one change from that side uh, on the opening day of the following season at, at Leighton Orient when they were starting out in the second division. So although it might have felt like there had to be a, a complete squad rebuild back then, it wasn't the case whatsoever. The fact that you are talking uh, of the need for the outgoings to break double figures um, in, in the summer, and that, that's not an exaggeration either. That is absolutely what needs to happen. is entirely reflective of the situation United are in. We all knew it was a question of how many. It, the, the, the forecast could hardly have been gloomier uh, with the three most outfield players being missing, with them only scraping past basement club Norwich on Saturday, with Liverpool being just an exceptional side. It's the best Liverpool team in decades against the worst United team in decades. And I don't think there was even, even a, a, a sliver of hope that United would just turn up. They just They did not have the capabilities to do it, whether it was from a mental side or, or just the ability, they just did not have it in them. And it was strike. It wasn't even striking, in fact, but when they walked out and Maguire, once he took his place in the lineup, he was clapping his teammates encouragingly and, and pumping his fists. And you just saw some of those players, they clearly thought, what's he doing? Like, what, what's he, what, what, what's the point of that? because they, a lot of them don't care. It is the most uncaring bunch of United players you could ever possibly see. And you knew they were on to a hiding when the, the only available midfielders, both of them are going in the summer. Um, you know, I, I really thought that Rangnick uh, should have tried something more innovative there, that he couldn't justify starting Paul Pogba. So I suppose it was quite good of Pogba to cry off injured after about five or 10 minutes. Um and, and that was maybe the only positive from from the night, the possibility that he, that he might not pull on United shirt again because he's not wanted to do that for three or four years. And the chances of him, him doing so again now seem remote with, with this injury. And Rich and I were in... We, we were with Romelu Lukaku in Perth and Singapore and 
Shanghai. And he had this mystery injury and then magically it gone when he got his transfer to Inter Milan. So I suspect the, um, the, the prognosis on, on Pogba is something similar. But you you could just you could sense the fear in that team the moment the team news dropped. I, I if anything I think it was a mistake to go with a back three just because that's what Liverpool were exactly ex- expecting. United tried it a couple of years ago under Solskjaer and got off lightly with a two 0 defeat. They it was it was almost respectable because Liverpool's second goal came in added time from from Mohamed Salah that day. But. I mean, they they were through United with such ease, and we've we said it time and again, with crowds back, with expectations raised, almost every United player in that squad has been rumbled this season, and some sometimes it's a struggle to to come out with new words to describe just how egregious they are. But fortunately, I was I was able to to, to come out with about nine hundred last night because you you had to. This has to be viewed as a watershed moment in, in United's recent history if they're to become a, a competing and incredible force again, an incredibly run football club as well. But I think if anything, 4-0, they got off lightly. Certainly the first 20 minutes of the second half, Liverpool, you know, they, they were in danger of declaring. But you watch Klopp and he's justifying his existence every week. The Liverpool players... Uh, being told to justify their existence every week, their work rate is is second to none, and just the restart for the second half, like we were just gobsmacked that Liverpool had three balls between them warming up while the referee's headset was being fixed. So you've got pretty much three balls to every three or four players. So it's all about intensity, keeping on your toes. With United's eleven players, there's one ball between them, and of course they're waiting there right in front of the cop. The cop. Uh, or laying every pass they complete, and it's—I it, mean, it, it was just an embarrassment. And, and Rangnick used that word, but you could easily use far harsher words than that. Yeah, it was humiliation again. Unfortunately, we saw it before the season and it happened yet again. Rich, it was five at the back for United on Tuesday night. Uh, Rangnick played that formation for the first time this season. As Simon was just kind of touched upon, Phil Jones came in the side. Uh, Varane was unavailable. We surprised at that, and also for the first goal. Considering United had five defenders on the pitch, surely it was just embarrassing the way they conceded that. It was just amateur, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. But I guess if you throw another centre-back into the mix, then keeping in line becomes even more difficult. And there is this temptation where you play more defenders and you become a, a better unit. But then Ranić comes out himself after the game and says this wasn't about formation. And he said it a few times this season that there's maybe an over-scrutiny on formations and how teams need to line up and how things are done, you know, sort of in the game, etc. So, yeah, I thought that it was sort of throwing Phil Jones under the bus. I mean, he can't sort of get a break anyway. I mean, I'm glad that he's back in the team because, you know, it's, it is a great story and he's as, as worthy of a start really as anyone else at, at the moment in time. But, yeah, I thought the formation was just, it was Solskjaer-esque, wasn't it, as Samuel touched upon. It was just change formation in the hope that something might happen. Not that there's a belief that it will actually work and maybe you'll be able to throw Liverpool off the centre a little bit. But this is Liverpool. They are not only leagues above United, but they're leagues above most teams in Europe as well. This is you know, no way, no two ways about it. This is one of the greatest teams in modern football and they're going to be able to adapt in the game themselves. Like I said, I think the formation was just peculiar, but you can almost understand why, because ahead of the game as well, after the Norwich game, Randick was saying how important Fred and McTominay are because they give them that shielding and that protection of, of the back two. 
And without them, and just Matic, who doesn't have the mobility, and like Sam said, is going to leave at the end of the season, they had to try something a bit different because, you know, no matter what team that I put out, there's going to be glaring sort of vulnerability there. There was no way to sort of soften the blow. So someone was always going to get critiqued for it. And it just so happened that he changed formation and, and that didn't work. But if United would have gone with two at the back and still been that, that a goal behind after four minutes, you would say, well, maybe he should have gone for three at the back. So it was a bit of a lose-lose there. I mean, ultimately, like someone said, this should be a watershed moment. But if you want to boil it down, it was a very good team beating a very average team. Well, not even average, are they? They're below average at United side at the moment. So, yeah, the, the, there was a massive gulf in quality. There's levels to this game, as people say on social media. And United's level is far beyond that of, or so far below that of, of Liverpool. They are miles and miles ahead of United and most teams of the Premier League as well. You know, in terms of an isolated result, it is awful. And again, most fierce rivals as well to lose in the way you have done it at Anfield is is humiliating. But if United get a result at the weekend, then that will soften the the damage a little bit. And you know, despite being absolutely awful, United have still got, I think, as good a chance of getting top four as Arsenal and probably as Spurs as well. It's how mind-boggling the season has been. There's just no consistency whatsoever. But you know, I think that but it just it, it it's just sort of killed what could have been a bit of momentum after the Norwich win. Obviously, Norwich win was flawed anyway. They've given away two 0 lead against that that Norwich side who are doomed for relegation. And yeah, it's just it's what I expected to be honest. And that's probably the most disappointing thing for United fans. No one will be will be that surprised by what they saw. I definitely agree with your point uh, that you made. That says United are average and. That would be quite kind, wouldn't it? Calling them average is my point, sorry. Um, Samuel, I wanted to talk about another below-average player, uh, Harry Maguire. And you kind of just touched upon the, the centre-back there in, in your first answer, but it's pre-match interview. That came out on social media and we didn't really have time to digest it because the game was about to kick off and we were uh, occupied with that. But I've done a lunch piece on it this afternoon and his comments were arrogant. Uh, and You think these players are media-trained and his answers were surprising when you consider that, weren't they? Because... I don't know how he can come out and say that, judging his performances this season. <sighs> I, th- I think I think Roy Keane summed it up when he just said Maguire, and he, he said I can't I can't do it justice, but it was that, but with a sigh tagged on to the end of it all in um, in in those two or three syllables. But th- I think worse than that, I don't know if you saw what his agency tweeted, which was a thirty-eight second edited package of five passes he played against Norwich City, which is obviously something that should should go viral and for people to wow, uh, you know, you know, just crow over and, and, and enjoy and relish and send on to their friends and create a WhatsApp group about. But this is what the United captaincy has been reduced to. It's celebrating passes against the worst team in the Premier League. I, I've... Yeah, from from what I've come across, uh, whilst Maguire's been at United, it's it's very clear even before he gave that interview that he is thin skinned. It was very clear when he did that ear cupping celebration uh, after scoring against the might of Andorra, I think it might have been, um, or, or San Marino, one of the minnows in in England's qualifying campaign. Um, when he scored an equaliser against Newcastle last season, his his family all all, all took to Twitter just to kind of like ram it down the critics' throats because he'd had an absolutely disastrous start to the season, uh, getting sent off for England, being involved heavily uh, in in the 6-1 thrashing by Tottenham. And 
the, the great United captains, obviously they're, they're great because they were brilliant players. They were committed. They, they had skill and, and still in abundance, but they were also ultra self-critical. The, one of the biggest reasons why this United squad is failing as badly as it is, is because it has got, um, it's, it's like a criticism complex. They're, they're just, there's an absolute anathema to criticism. So many of the players just do not like it. They can't tolerate it, however constructive it may be whether it's a player rating, whether it's analysis from, from a coach. I know because I've, I've copped it from some, um, some advisors or, or family members of players over a, a player rating. It's remarkable how, how seriously they still, they still take that stuff. And Maguire just doesn't have the character to be a Manchester United captain. He shouldn't have been promoted to it by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. In his first season, he had a pretty good season. Since then, it's been, you know, up until a point, it was a, a steady decline, but it picked up with his performances during the Euros where he was exceptional. He didn't put a foot wrong. I don't think it was almost the the complete performance from a, a centre-back at a major tournament, bar actually winning it, winning the tournament itself. But this season, he's just been fouled out. Um, Leicester was the first real uh, the first real red flag, and I know that they were trying to make an excuse, his, his agency, that he'd just come back from injury. But watching him that day, I didn't really... I didn't feel as though the injury was as much of a contributing factor to his disaster class as him actually being unnerved by supporters who used to used to chant his name, and the timing of of that that post from his uh, representatives about five passes against Norwich, and then for him to come out with what he said, where he effectively said that if if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ralph Rangnick are picking me every week, that's you know that shows that I'm not that bad. When, if anything, it, it kind of highlights how bad it has been because Solskjaer didn't have the the guts to drop most of the players when they should have been dropped. Uh, Rangnick has never had any real serious authority in that dressing room just because of his title as interim. And, I mean, Maguire was actually outright... It was pretty much an outright dropping in January when he was on the bench and fit for a couple of games. And the key context to that is that he only got back into the team because Victor Lindelof's house was was burgled while his his wife and children were sheltering in a panic room. Lindelof went on leave for the next game and Maguire got back into the side. So he, he's been an embarrassment this season. He's not the only one who's been an embarrassment this season, but... Um, you know, when I had to see my play ratings for the season so far in March, he was he was the joint lowest scorer, and I can't see that really changing come come the season's conclusion as well. Um, he, he, there's a good defender in there, but you, when, when I say that, and Ty said it the other day, and I, but then you think, well, he's 29 years of age. You can't say you can't talk about him as if he's a 23 or a 22 year old centre back. He is, you know, he's he's fully baked now, and. Should he be a regular for United? No, he shouldn't, but there's no way they're going to sell him in the summer. I think, if anything, the, if, if, if Ten Hag sees him as a player that he can do without, the best thing to do would be to just strip him of the captaincy, which I think has to happen whether Maguire stays or goes anyway. But, you know, if, if he takes it so bad, if he was to take it so badly that he'd want to leave, then, you know, I'm sure someone can show him the door because nobody in that squad is, is expendable. Um, sorry, everybody in that squad is expendable. None of them are, not one of them is irreplaceable. Maguire obviously got a lot of stick on social media uh, today, Rich, and rightly so, obviously. But another player who got his fair share of criticism was Paul Pogba. And coming off that pitch last night, 
and last weekend. Um, a lot of abuse from the away fans as well, obviously, and, and not happy with the Frenchman. He's leaving at the end of the season. He, he's set the leave uh, finally, and ten years after he last left the club for free. I kind of already know your answer to this, but what is Paul Pogba's legacy? And you'll laugh. Yeah, it's your answer. Yeah. Is it is it the clip of Chris Wilder that's gone viral saying you don't need to ask me that? You don't need to ask me that. You know my answer. Like, <laughs> you, you, it's Paul Pogba, isn't it? It's tedious. We all, you know, it's just the bingo card you tick it off every week. I mean. The fans said it themselves on Saturday, didn't they? I mean, we're not going to say what, what they chanted at him. And last night they used hand signals to let him know how they felt about him. I mean, he, and it becomes full circle there. You speak about Ranjik, you speak about Maguire, you speak about Pogba. It, talk is cheap. They all can come out and give this rhetoric of saying, you know, backing themselves off the pitch, but they're not doing it on the pitch. And Harry Maguire, like you said there, might speak like a captain at times and, you know, Sometimes he might not, but ultimately he's not playing like one. And Pogba is another person who, you know, for all of his fanfare and all of his social media hype and all of this sort of clout he has with younger fans and people who love him on video games, he's just not a good enough footballer week in, week out for Manchester United. And he's more often not a liability and someone you've got to try shoehorn into a team, not a team, a player you can build your side around. And you look at the Liverpool midfield last night, and I've fought for you know a long time. They're much better now, obviously, with Thiago in there. But the first title win and what Liverpool have done in the club, they've always sort of been more about the the unit and what they signify. People doing the dirty work, people running there. I mean, Henderson, the captain, you look at him, Pogba could have been a United captain at one stage. He, he's just so different to what everyone else has. And you think of these midfield leaders, people who take the game by the scruff of the neck. I mean, Paul Pogba, I still just don't know what it is he wants to do or what position he wants to play. I mean, he was whinging in the last international break saying he, he doesn't sort of have a fixed position. He's been played all over the pitch. I think since then he's played on the wing. He's played t- defensive midfield, he's played central midfield, he's played attacker midfield. He's just someone who's so, as Samuel said, so expendable now. And again, this summer just needs to be the chance for that clean slate. People, United just need to just lose any sort of allegiance to these players who have let them down time and time again. And Maguire might say, well, these two managers have backed me. Well, Paul Pogba has been backed over managers and it's been humiliating for Manchester United. And that has been a real signal in the player power shift that needs to be eradicated this summer. Again, if United are going to get back to the top, you can talk about it's going to be X amount of years until United can challenge with Liverpool and City again. But until they get rid of this culture of the players having the ultimate power and people being undroppable, that's never going to change. And this summer, United need to go for the collective. They need to go for people who are there for the right reasons, who want to win, who put in the hard work, who win it out of possession, feel embarrassed. You know, they're playing for Manchester United and it's just ultimately, you know, like Woodward almost, Pogba's sec- stint at this, the club is just signified one with failure. And when you think of Paul Pogba's time at Manchester United, it just does not match the sort of hype and hysteria that match- that he has off the pitch. And, you know, he'll go somewhere else and yeah, he might go to another league where they do build a team around him and he can play where he wants and have a smile on his face again. But Paul Pogba's just, he represents a sort of a missed opportunity for United, someone who offered so much, just like them as a club, someone who talks it all and has all this social media engagement and, you know, they can say their massive success off the pitch, but ultimately on it, Paul Pogba, no, I, I, I can't see what his legacy is going to be. I mean, a Europa League title, a Carabao Cup, and what else has he won? That's it. Community yeah, Shield? Failure. Yeah, yeah, that was failure, wasn't it?
Samuel, for me personally, I felt like the Everton game was almost a low point of the season. And that's a statement itself because there have been so many low points. But that Everton side of that bad, I was quite disgusted at that performance uh, the other week. There's not been a reaction since then. There's been another couple of poor displays. Are you surprised at that? And is that dressing room just that toxic? Is that the reason for it? Not surprised by it whatsoever, just because I mean, morale is low, but also it's a it's a toxic dressing room. Um, I mean that that piece that you know end of season inquest, if you like, that will that will probably come before the end of the season because I don't think United will get top four before the the final weekend. I think it'll probably their fate will be confirmed by then, um, pending the the incompetence of the other teams. I mean, it's I, I suppose that's the the frustrating element in a way in that they've, they've they've still got some somehow they've still got a hope of of getting in the top four but just that occasion last night you've you've got the opportunity to get eke out something from it even even if you lose show that there's there's commitment there's there's a desire but it was completely lacking and Again, you know, I think the the incomings or ne- or the, the list of potential incomings seems to be increasing on a weekly basis. I mean, Rangnick was talking of potentially ten new players last night, and when you balance it out with how many need to go, it's 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 a pretty fair assessment. But I don't think anybody is expecting United to get anywhere near ten signings for the summer. I can imagine Joel Glazer having heart palpitations in in Tampa at, at that prospect. But they need to they need to root out um, the bad apples. I, I think they've they've probably got an idea of a good idea of of some some of them, um, but but not all of them. I mean, there was a, a report a few a few weeks ago about uh, the, the unsavoury leaks, and you know it's it's not it's not coming from one person, obviously, and that that in itself is a problem. That that many United players are emboldened to mm. carp about carp on about how how bad an environment is and how miserable it is and and Keane touched upon it last night when he said that you know I, I don't mean to keep on going on about how it used to be like in 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 his day but he said that the prospect of players actually actively wanting to leave United back then was unheard of now it's it's absolutely rife they they can't all wait to get out of the door and that's that's probably one of the biggest positives of the season in that Okay, if, if these players want to go, they've got to be allowed to go. They've you've got to proactively, you know, pursue leads where it might result in in a player being sold, and then you you're you're pretty much fumigating the squad. And it's just as well that they've got six players who are out of contract because you wouldn't have any faith in them to even get rid of six players this summer, and they probably need to sell um, sell at least that amount. Uh, separate from from those who are going to be released, whether they do that again, it, it remains to be seen. Because when you look at the people who are in the positions of power there, again, you have no faith in them doing it. Um, it's it's an absolute mess. Uh, I, you know, the, the managerial situation is obviously absolutely vital, but that supporting cast that he's going to be surrounded by, you you just it just raises questions every time um i mean people when darren fletcher resurfaced at united resurfaced at united a couple of years ago they said he was there as an ambassador now how has an ambassador all of a sudden become one of the main decision makers at the club 
and I've, as I've said before, I like I liked Fletcher's worldview when it, of United and of football when he was a pundit. But it's very different when you're embedded there. A colleague um, of, of mine interviewed him before the start of last season and was kind of taken aback by how um, how PR his answers were, and that was because he was trying to get a foot in the door at United. Um, you, you've I, I think it's quite admirable. Just look going on to the cricket, what. Uh, the ECB have done in hiring Rob Key as, as managing director when he was very, very forthright um, as a pundit on Sky and through his column in the Evening Standard about what needed to change with England cricket. He didn't beat about the bush. He was, he didn't, he didn't sit on the fence. Uh, whatever your choice of, of of metaphor, and unfortunately at United, I still look at that structure and think it is far, 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 far too compliant. And that's why I've got quite a lot of time for Rangnick because he's not compliant. And I know he's going to get a nice pension plan and um, it's it's nice work if you can get it. But his assessments of the club and of the team are, are pretty sound. I don't think anybody's really disagreeing with what he's saying. And he is being, he's, I think he's becoming blunter in his criticism as well. And he can afford to be because he's going to be out of the place in four or five weeks time. As a manager, he he's he's been pretty much a disaster. Um, it would have I, I didn't think that was ever going to succeed that experiment, but at least he's actually saying the right things as to how United should operate going forward. But that that's been his speciality over the last decade. It's it's United's fault that they one they didn't hire him as a director of football, which probably would have been the sensible thing to do. And secondly, they decided to revive Ralph Rangnick, the manager even though he'd only managed 81 games in the decade uh, before he was parachuted in at United. Regardless of who came in uh, in October, even Conte or whatever, it was always going to be a difficult task to turn around the, the club's fortunes. And I think we've all realised how how toxic this dressing room was we've kind of made that point. Rich, I think what highlighted that as well during the last 10 minutes of the game, Hannibal came on and he really put himself about. And Gary Neville praised him for putting his foot in and, and getting a yellow card. It's really embarrassing, isn't it, that a youngster on a second appearance for the club showed more fight in them 10 minutes than probably the rest of the players did throughout the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does sort of stink of Alan Partridge saying good news about the chocolate oranges after his sort of book's been pulled and the series been cancelled. I mean, it is really sort of clutching at straws, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, that's what United fans want to see as well. And ultimately, that's, that's what will have annoyed United fans the most at Anfield on Tuesday night. It's not just the fact that they've been heavily beaten by their fierce rivals. But it's the manner of it, the fact that they look so resigned to, to defeat from you know from kickoff, really, and the fact that they just look sort of contractually obliged to get their beating and then get out of there. You know, there was no sort of fight back. There was no there was that brief spell in the second half, but as Samuel said, that was sort of Liverpool just in autopilot mode, just maybe caught a bit off guard there. United maybe were maybe even lulled into a false sense of optimism so that they were then, you know, caught out on the back again by Liverpool, which, you know, it, it transpired to be that way. But yeah, Hannibal and Garnaccio on the bench was, you know, at least one sort of positive. It was good to see them on the bench as well. Against Norwich at the weekend, it was good to actually see Hannibal come on and, like you said, to, to have that fight and that tenacity and, like Garanella said, to be proud. I mean, if it was another player, if it had been sort of Harry Maguire who'd come off the bench and was giving away fouls and getting yells like that, I'm sure the fan base would have been angry. But, you know, you can't criticise Hannibal for for wanting to make it an impact and for, you know, the fact that he came on and in that cameo, we're still talking about him now. It, it was so notable. I mean, you need to have that fight, that desire, and you're off to a good start because United fans, 
will always love you if you try your best. And you can have shortfallings as a player. And some of the best players in the club's history aren't the ones who are the most technically gifted. They're the ones who try the most and, you know, sort of stereotypically play like a fan. You know, you say, oh, I could do a better job out there. I'd give it my all. And if a player is doing that, then they've at least got that kudos. And the fans will certainly support you if, if you're doing that. And at least you're trying. That's the bare minimum to ask for. But, you know, going ahead now, the problem, in a way, is what I touched upon at the start. I still think United are really in this. It's not a top four race, is it? It's like a drunken egg and spoon race or something. There's no sort of speed about it or or quality involved. But as long as United are in the Champions League battle, they've almost got to play their strongest team. You sense you can understand that that viewpoint. But I do. I would like it if Randick just said, "Well, I'm not going to be here." Show two middle thing, two fingers to the players who go in the summer. Garnacho, Hannibal, you come in. Fernandez, you play at left back. You know, just the. I just still don't get. I mean, I uh, Liverpool is a bit of a a one off because Fred and McTominay are out, so you've got to play midfielders who are going to leave at the end of the season. But I don't get why you stack the bench of players who are going to leave for free at the end of the season when you've got to build long term. There's players there who, you know, ultimately they might not be up to it to play for Manchester United, and so few youngsters ever actually make that that transition to the first team. But you've got to at least give them the chance. You've at least got to put them in the into the squads because it's not just about players coming on and getting minutes. It's about them realising what it takes to be a Manchester United player, the preparation for games, travelling to the matches, being on the bench, being in a hostile environment like that. You know, it's all, all adds up. It's all priceless experience. And that means that when you've got to throw a youngster in, they're more acclimatised to it. So, yeah, Hannibal, good for him. He showed what it, what it means to play for Manchester United and gave the fans a tiny little crumb of sort of comfort and pride at the end of the end of the day and yeah like I said hopefully in the week's head we get to see some of these youngsters get some more involvement in the first team squads and hopefully a few more people actually get on the pitch as well but yeah you know it's 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 still a long way to go for Hannibal and I think another key issue for him is going to be sort of holding down a, a position because he sort of came through the ranks as a sort of flair attacking midfielder. He's played in a far deeper role at youth level this season. Probably not. You can't be throwing him into the first team in a deeper midfield role because he'll just get eaten alive. But United's Youth Academy is always sort of a crumb of comfort at times of need for United. And, you know, FA Youth Cup on the horizon. They got out, they, they topped the UEFA, UEFA Youth League group. There's still a lot of reasons for United to be positive and happy at youth level this season, even if it's not the case at senior level. I think putting two goalkeepers on the bench as well. Samuel's made that point multiple times, hasn't he? When you've got these youngsters in the mm. academy, you can give them an invaluable match to experience, can't you, on the weekend? Um, last question, and I kind of want to open up to both of you. We've kind of talked about Tottenham, United and Arsenal, and they're in- seemingly it just can't be consistent, can they, between the three of them. What are your expectations for the weekend? Um, it's been a glum week, that performance against Norwich, this hammer against Liverpool. Arsenal are out of form. They aren't doing well at the moment. Samuel, what are you expecting at the weekend? Uh, for, the, for the listeners that can't see Samuel's face, he's smirking as he considers his answer. Uh, well, I, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know if it's a smirk or just kind of like, oh, God, I've got to go to another United game. <laughs> this, this is the horrible thing. It's, it, it is a very, very privileged job, but it's become so draining and repetitive in in recent weeks and even when they win as they did at the weekend the the, the bad the bad stories are, are overshadowing the 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 actual good story of, of Ronaldo scoring a hat-trick and, and getting a win um I mean Ronaldo um it's, it's just come up that he's he's returned to training today and and did a I was told that he did a full session which is is obviously positive for for United and and 
and for his well-being, the fact that he's um, feeling well enough and prepared to to do that, um, I think it speaks volumes of of his professionalism. It'd have been entirely understandable if he was not not going to be available for that Arsenal game uh, in, in what's an unimaginably sad situation. But him training today, and we're talking on Wednesday, would indicate that he he, he might well be available for the the twelve thirty kickoff on Saturday, and United would would certainly need him. Um, he's again that was another factor for why they lost last night. Um, I think even if Ronaldo was was available, they'd have still lost. But the fact that I mean, one United have only won nineteen games this season, which I didn't realise it was that low. I mean, that is that is a staggeringly low amount. It feels like Liverpool have won that many this this calendar year alone, and Ronaldo's goals um, have been responsible for ten of those wins. So more than fifty percent of the games he's got the winning goal or winning goals, as was the case in the Norwich game and, and the Tottenham game. And I mean, Rangnick did say that he hoped some other injured players would be back. I mean, McTominay was on the bench really for appearances' sake. He, he, he when he arrived at Carrington on Tuesday, I don't think there was any intention of him travelling to Liverpool, but he wanted to make himself available. One of the people at United said, if there's if there's a one percent chance of him playing, he'll make himself available uh, to play because. He is one of those handful of players in that dressing room who is undeniably committed to the club. Again, you know that he is lacking quality. He has got a ceiling, but you've seen some some very good United players in the past have very good careers at United, mainly through their attitude more more than their ability. And McTominay's attitude is is pretty sound in in, in that respect. So he might be available if he is if he can start I think he goes straight back into that team there's, there's no question um, about that and if, if Iran is fit that that's another boost um, I, I think Fred the, the signs are that he might even be out for the Chelsea game which would, would be disappointing for United but if, if they've got Varane, if they've got Varane Ronaldo McTominay back I think there's cause for you know a bit of optimism going into that game that they can they can at least avoid defeat at Arsenal. Arsenal are an extremely different team to Liverpool. Um, I, I certainly wasn't getting carried away with the wins they were getting, uh, eking out last month and then having celebratory huddles at the end of them as if they were waiting for a trophy procession. I think, unfortunately for Arsenal, that culture is ingrained in them. It's It's been that way pretty much since 2004, 2005. Um, they've I think just this this failing culture. They they don't really seem to know how to to shed it, and it it, it rears its head when they just even win a game in a certain way. It feels like it's a, a a corner turn, but that obviously wasn't the case when they beat Villa last month. And they've got the makings of a good side going forward. Arsenal. They've got five or six good players who they can build a very competitive team around the future if they get the recruitment right from the summer onwards. But again, I go going back to the possible players come back for United. If, if those three, Varane, McTominay and Ronaldo are available, uh, for United's sake, you'd hope that they would actually get something out of the game because looking at these next two games against Chelsea and Arsenal, they, they need a minimum of four points for them if, if they are to still be in with a shout. But they keep getting, you know, they, the, the door keeps on opening up for them because Tottenham might lose or Arsenal might lose. Um Next week, it's it has become a farcical race uh, for, for fourth, and I don't think anybody has any any faith in West Ham, who've had probably the more positive and upbeat season than those three teams just mentioned. I don't think anybody 
expects them or thinks they have in them to finish above those three clubs. And of course, they've got the Europa League, which is going to be, you'd imagine that would be their priority because I think that's their best route of getting into the Champions League next season. And the, just the possibility of, of winning a cup is um, it, enough an incentive for, for West Ham to prioritise that. So uh, in, in, a, in an attempt to actually look at for a more slightly positive outlook, I think Ronaldo just returning to training is is a positive for for, for various reasons, least of all um, he, he, his own state of mind. Are you expecting a post mortem on Monday morning, Rich? Another one or a bit of positivity? No, I think if you listen to maybe the Arsenal podcast, you might be saying that, but I, I think United will will do a job on them again this week. I mean, I know Arsenal, you know, Arsenal tends to play. Worse against the the smaller teams, United have got to be considered maybe along Palace, alongside Palace and Brighton on recent form. So yeah, I think United will will do a job at the Emirates this weekend. And again, you know, there's so much permutations. I, what do you, do you back? I mean, you wouldn't back Arsenal, Tottenham, or United to win a must win game, would you? So I think there'll be a lot of draws in the weeks ahead. But I just got all. I mean, I've gotten all the uh, sort of fixture schedules coming up. I mean, Arsenal Chelsea game obviously is tonight after we record this podcast. So that could have implications on the weekend in terms of team news etc from Arsenal's point of view and you know if they were to lose that would that be five defeats in their last six games that would be abysmal for them and then Arsenal have got United they've got West Ham Leeds Tottenham Newcastle and Everton can you see them would you back them in any of those games other than Leeds and Everton I mean I I wouldn't and then even Tottenham this weekend they go to Brentford on on Saturday night evening and that's a really tricky tough to test. And then they've got Leicester at home and Leicester rejuvenated in recent weeks. I think it's going to be a really poor into the season for all three clubs, but I think United will do enough to stay into it right until the very end. And yeah, I'd back them against Arsenal this weekend. Definitely. I think it's a good job. Our usual producer Guy Clark is none, isn't it? Because he's an <laughs> Arsenal fan after Rich has just made those comments. Samuel, thank you for your time. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening. Take care.